Hey, what's happening, Norm? Oh, it's a dog-eat-dog world, Sammy, and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear. Maybe the sun. Hi, and welcome to the Harmacast. I'm Dean Martin, your host, and you're listening to the official podcast of the Alexandria Harmonizers here in south-central Pennsylvania. Well, along the east coast, actually, spring has sprung, kind of, and most of the snow has melted. And uh, last weekend was a beautiful weekend out uh, raking twigs out of the yard and limbs that uh, the weight of the snow had broken off. So, uh, missed a few podcasts here in the last couple of weeks, but today I had the incredible privilege of getting to interview presentation super coach Cindy Hansen. And uh, stick around for that interview. I really enjoyed getting to to know her. Cindy's a, just a fantastic person. I think you'll enjoy getting a glimpse into her life and uh, what it's like to get to coach some of the top choruses and groups, uh, choral groups around the world. Speaking of spring, here in the Mid-Atlantic District, the spring contest cycle has begun with uh, prelims several weekends ago. Uh, around midnight, a great Mid-Atlantic Quartet, uh, of course, qualified for uh, for a spot at International. And uh, Wayne Grimmer has great lead in that quartet. Spent a couple minutes coaching a new quartet that I'm trying to put together. And uh, the first words out of his mouth were, uh, Dean, where exactly are you from? Uh, in other words, he was hearing a bit of a twang or accent in my voice and not uh, incredibly pure vowel targets. So... We are spending some time working on that. Uh, you are going to want to spend some time on the harmonizers.org website. If you haven't already, you need to get your tickets now for the June 27th Choir of the World concert. Alexander Harmonizers, Westminster Chorus, OC Times, Old School, a bunch of other great quartets, Ringmasters from Sweden, Musical Island Boys from New Zealand. Get out there today and get your tickets. Tonight you are mine, mine. Tonight you are mine, you mine completely. Give your love so sweetly tonight. The light of love the is light in of your love eyes. is in your eyes. But will you love me? Will you love? We're pleased to be able to introduce to you today and uh, spend some time interviewing one of the premier presentation coaches um, sought after around the world, as we discovered when we tried to uh, schedule an interview with her. Um, Cindy Hansen has um, has all the top courses in her, her uh, resume that she's worked with, uh, both in the Men's uh, Barbershop Society, Sweet Adelines, and any other number of singing organizations that she uh, that she works with. 
and uh, we are pleased to have her on. Welcome, Cindy, to the show today. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad that we finally connected. Yeah, first first of all, appreciate you taking time to, to speak with me today. Uh, we've been trying to schedule this course for a couple of weeks, and your travel itinerary is just brutal. Uh, back and forth across the U.S., you know, different time zones you send me. You know, I'm available uh, this time zone between these several hours and overseas for uh, a couple stints, but uh, you're like a rock star on tour. Uh, I have to ask, do you even have a, a default time zone or a sleeping schedule that you uh, are able to adhere to at all? Well, is I don't know what sleep is these days, <laughs> but no. <laughs> no, I actually try really hard to be on the time zone that I'm in and just to automatically go to that. You know, my phone defaults to that automatically, and I try to be wherever I am. And it seems to work pretty good, especially when I'm crossing in the United States. That actually works out the best. But, it, you know, when I go international, it's a little bit more challenging. I have to – but I, I'm surprised that I do as well as I do. Yeah, well, I can imagine putting on that many miles can be extremely tiring, but – uh, I'm sure it's also very rewarding, you know, meeting new people, working with different singing organizations and uh, and groups that you work with. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the travel and then also, you know, what it's like to work with different people and different singing organizations all around the world. Well, actually, the best part of it is I love being there. I hate getting there. The The travel is atrocious. As you know, I was a little concerned because yesterday Denver got 16 inches of snow, so I wasn't sure I was going to get out of Denver. So, you know, you're always on a pins and needles, and I was on a, you know, I'm going to be on a, a seven-day trip, and so if I didn't get out that day, it's a little, you know, um, challenging sometimes. Uh, but the best part about it, like you said, is meeting people, getting to know people, and every walk of life. And what I find, no matter where you go in the country or where you go overseas, if you're a barbershop or a sweet Adeline, we don't care what you do. We care what part you sing. And uh, so it, it's pretty amazing. I'm, I'm lucky to meet um, the quality of people that I meet is amazing. I think that in the barbershop and sweet Adeline world, you're not going to find better people. And I think my life has probably been blessed more than most people can even imagine because of that. Yeah, well, you mentioned people having an impact on you, and I know you've made quite an impact on other people that you've worked with. Uh, one of the first choruses that I belonged to when I joined the Society had a presentation guy as part of the chorus, and um, you had worked with the chorus several times, and uh, I know every year he would go to Harmony College, and no matter what you were teaching, he would make sure that he was in your class, and he you know, told me several times, if you ever get to work with Cindy Hansen, she is just an incredible coach, and you have to uh, you have to uh, take advantage of that experience. So um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background and when you decided that you had both the desire and the skill set necessary to uh, begin coaching. Well, it's funny. It's funny you should ask, but the desire is probably the biggest thing of that. My father, when when I was younger and growing up, used to say to all of us, you know, find something you love to do and then do it so well that you can make a, a living at it, you know. And um, and so I've been lucky enough to do that. I actually have a master's degree in social work and for the longest time worked in that field. And then on the side was just coaching, you know, evenings. And whenever I could get a chance to help somebody, I wanted to help somebody. I have some theater background, uh, just personal compute, uh, um, community theater. 
um, types of things. Um, I've helped my mom with her children's theater. She actually runs a children's theater back in Greenville, Michigan, where she lives. And my family, my dad owns a music store. So how could I not do something in music? So we all grew up in that. But, you know, what happened is my I started singing when I was in college in Sweet Adelines, and um, I actually think I started singing probably when I was 17 or 18. My mom was a Sweet Adeline, and um, she she actually sang in a quartet that had to wear Orita potato bags because Orita was their sponsor. So <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think that's where I get some of my comedy background. <laughs> wow. And, I'm a third-generation barbershop brat. My grandfather sang, my father sang. They sang in a quartet together called the Smorgascords and uh, got disqualified for wearing four different colored sweaters, which they thought was unique, but they didn't have a uniform. So um, wow. things have changed in the in you know, in quite a while. So I started working with my own chorus and then um, got to work with quartets out of the chorus I was singing with back in Michigan. And then my dad's... Um, course director Clay Schumard, who was with the Vagabonds, uh, asked me to, to help his course when they were going to international, and it just blossomed from there. And probably the biggest influence was Greg Line. Uh, got to work with West Towns um, on their first uh, gold medal package that he was working on, and from there it just kind of exploded. And I've tried to stay on top of my education and uh, you know, change my skill set as the society has changed to to continue to do what I love to do. Well, well Cindy, with your impressive uh, resume and extensive experience, I would imagine that you need to make choices because of time limitations about who you can work with uh, and when you're available. But uh, what do you look for in a group uh, to make you decide to say yes to working with them? Or how do you decide where to uh, to put your effort efforts to uh, make the greatest impact? Well, I'm pretty lucky in that um, since I've chosen to do this full time, my schedule allows to um, take on just about any group. Um, one of the things that I like in um, working with a new group is, you know, what is their desire? Do they want to do the same thing they've always done or do they want to change and try to do something different? And I love opening up new doors for, you know, quartets and choruses. And so, you know, when I talk to a director, I talk to a visual team leader, it's, it's, those are the kinds of questions I ask. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go from where you are? What are you happy with what you're already doing? What do you want to add to that? So that I get um, a feeling of where, where is their vision and, and what's their desire? Because, if, if they have the desire, then the course probably has the desire, and then everything becomes really successful. Um, but, I, you know, I will work with any level, and this is, I, I'm sure people don't realize this or understand this, but I will work with any level course. I was lucky enough a few years ago, I raffled myself off at Harmony University. Um, to help them raise money, which and I don't always say that to like my parents. I raffled myself <laughs> off, but <laughs> yeah. and a gentleman who won me was in a chorus that only had eleven men in it. Wow! And the average age I think was seventy. And um, so when I went and worked with them, he they were just amazed, and I went back to some of the most basic things like how to get out of a chair to stand and sing, and you know. <laughs> Uh, but, um, the, and by the way, on the day that I coached with them, they didn't have a tenor. So we only had three parts. 
when we reversed. And so, but the impact and the change in that group, and I suggested they invite other groups that were local to come there. And we actually did a session on the aging body and things that you can and can't do with you know, and sing. And it went fantastic. And so I've worked with a number of, you know, groups that have seen me work with the aging body. And since mine is getting there too, uh, it's, it's really fun to show them how they can still do different visual things. Um, even though it's not the stuff that we see the vocal majority and the ambassadors of harmony and the Alexandria harmonizers do, it's things that are still entertaining and visually impactive. So I'm, 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 if you, if I can fit you in my schedule, I'll put you on the books. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really impressive. Actually, uh, when you mentioned an 11 member course, I'm thinking to myself uh, in kind of a prejudiced uh, thought, uh, you know, really, what are they going to get out of uh, having Cindy Hansen come in? But it was, uh, you know, it shows caring and sensitivity on your part that you're, you were able to tailor something to that group that, you know, that you're able to take them to what their next level is. So that's really cool. You mentioned being able to talk to the leadership team or the presentation person in the chorus ahead of time. Maybe if for choruses who have never uh, pulled in a, a top-level uh, presentation coach, uh, talk a little bit about what that process looks like. What do you what What do you do months ahead or weeks ahead of time uh, to prepare for the coaching session with the chorus? Well, um, months ahead to get on my calendar, I book probably twelve to eighteen months out. Um, it's pretty tough to get me if you want me, especially this time of year when we have women's regionals coming up, men's prelims are in the works, men's international is in July. So, um, you know, this, unless you book these a good year out, it's kind of tough to get in my schedule. So that's the first thing. Then one of the things that I like to do is if I can see where the course is, if there's a way that we can do a video linking or you can send me you know, part of a, a show clip or something to, to show me what, what personality your chorus is. And one of the things I love to do is get into making you better at being you. Um, there's only going to be, you know, a certain number of, you know, international championship choruses in our lives, but there are thousands of other choruses, you know, in the world that are going to have impact on people when they're out doing their concerts in the park and their um, annual shows. And so if I can make you better at being who you are, there are some courses that call and say, well, we would like to be exactly like this course, you know, and I'll say, okay, do you have the skill set and the talent to pull that kind of a challenge off? Or do we have a different skill set and talent that'll make you great at being you? Um, and if you, if not anybody, not everybody, sorry, can um, actually figure out how to be a international championship course. And I don't want them to, you know, they're doing more sing outs than they are doing contests. And so looking at the entertainment spectrum is is really important. And then, you know, if they want me to design a contest set or they want me to work on um, show songs, I get the music ahead of time and usually a learning track so I know exactly the inter because one of one of the luckiest things that I um, get to do is work with some amazing directors and uh, talented, skillful, you know, musicians. And so my job is actually to make the music come to life and to make a chorus sing better. 
So if I know what an intert plan is and dynamic plan is, then I can design a visual plan to support that. And that usually happens a few weeks out, so I have some time. That's what I do when I'm sitting on a plane. I put a headset on and listen to music and dance in my airplane seat. <laughs> YouTube video. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned uh, coaching outside of the contest cycle because uh, when I br- think of bringing a coach in, I think of the competition uh, uh, process and the coach uh, contest cycle. But uh, what we're about as musicians, and hopefully we see ourselves as musicians, is you know, really communicating to an audience, whoever that might be. It's really great that courses and groups bring you in, you know, just to help with uh, presentation in general or the show package or, you know, any song that they're trying to communicate to an audience. Yeah, I, I, I think that's one of the funnest part of my jobs. I love the contest cycle, and I have, you know, been blessed enough to work with champions at, at all levels, from college champs to, you know, regular quartet champs to senior champs to chorus champs, both in the Sweet Adeline and Barbershop and Harmony Inc. world. But, you know, it's um, that is one small piece of the pie. Um, When you get to look at shows, you get to look at staging and production and the whole entertainment value of getting outside the box and, you know, going down and singing in an audience and singing at the edge of a stage and that, you know, that isn't always conducive to a contest venue where, you know, you can only be lit in such a way or you can only your sound is in such a way so it really allows me to use more of my theatrical creative side to do things that's you know out in an audience down a staircase um you know um and 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 we actually did a song uh with a chorus where the guys were stationed in the audience and um they popped up at different times sitting in seats in the audience and then worked their way up onto the stage and i mean uh, people were applauding and cheering in the middle of a song and talk about the the rush that this chorus had at the beginning of their show um they you know they couldn't fail it was just such a high when they started and they kept saying we sh- we're not sure we're going to do this so we'll do it on the first show they had like three shows in a weekend and if it doesn't work we're going to have this well it, the first show it went you know nuts and they couldn't stop talking about it so you know now it's like okay how are you going to top that what are you going to do next time <laughs> yeah I, I heard you mention in an interview last year that each group uh kind of has their own personality and they need to uh, know what that is and work at building something, try not to be something they're not, but try to build something inside what that personality type is. So what does the process look like ahead of time with a chorus leadership team or with a quartet to to help uh, you define or help them define maybe what that personality is so that then when you go in for a coaching session, you can coach to that strength? Well, a couple things is if I ask them to do songs that they love to do, what are their most requested songs or what did they love? to do when they go out to do a sing out so if I'm working with the chorus for a very first time and I haven't figured out who their personality is or they haven't figured it out I say sing me you know one or two of your repertoire songs that really you enjoy doing more than anything and then you can look at how they perform that are they doing swing numbers are they doing novelty numbers are they doing big production numbers are they doing things that are theatrical uh, same with the visual that you know are there are there moves planned choreography Are they doing staging choreography? You know, do they pretend that they're sitting around tables at a nightclub? Do they have individual solos that come out? Do they like to do a theatrical design of, you know, where it looks like a um, Broadway production in, in the song? And is it freelanced? 
or is it actually choreographed? And what you find is there are choruses that lend themselves. Northbrook was one of the best at precision drill team choreography, where every hand, every head, every arm, every thing was, you know, they did the rifle routine, they did the toy soldiers, and they were amazing at that. And they still do things like that. And Alexandria has been known for some amazing theatrical um, performances in the past, where while individuals get to sell a song and get emotionally into a song, Toronto Northern Lights does this well, too. It's not every guy has to do this exactly the same way at the same time. And you find that choruses lend themselves to certain styles. And it's different all across the entire country. Because I was thinking, well, you know, Californians are more free and, you know, they don't care and they have this carefree attitude and this freedom. And they may be better at freelancing choreography, but that's not always true. It depends on the management team. It depends on the visual team. It depends on the makeup. You know, in Northern California, when you work in um in the the computer geeky part of Silicon Valley, they are great at precision moves. If you want to know how far a thumb should be lifted, they can tell you. <laughs> and so, so in order to make them successful, you I have to teach to a very left brain, you know, kind of type of style, which is very different than saying can you just feel it? They go, feel what? <laughs> you know, tell me how high my hand goes. <laughs> tell me how far my foot goes. And so once you figure out, and when you see the songs that they do, you go, well, they love doing this. They're great at this. And so you're going to be more successful as a coach if you if you design around their strengths. And, and thinking of designing to strengths, I would I know you work with both male courses and female courses, and I would imagine the female courses are a bit further to the feely side of things. So, uh, can you talk about uh, uh, the way you need to coach? To uh, I, I imagine there are distinct differences there. Yes, of course. <laughs> Women give me a bad name sometimes. <laughs> um, no, I don't mean that. Yeah. They, um, the the women, you know, it's a, it's not necessarily men versus women. I think that it is driven off of the director. I will tell you that if a director is willing to um, ask a chorus to go to the deeper side of their emotions, they will do that. If a chorus director is technical and more driven off of music, they won't have rehearsed that as much. And you also find a difference in just within each chorus. There will be some people who are willing to go inside of their emotional caverns, and then there will be people that never do that in their life. Um, that's what's so amazing about this hobby is that people come from every walk of life. And there are people that are, you know, from accountants who, you know, every penny has to be accounted for and it's all about detail to people who just enjoy the freedom of their life. And so when you're coaching, I think the strength comes from being able to coach to multiple tiers and multiple levels, both of the visual and of the emotional side. So you have to do both visual coaching as well as emotional coaching, as well as audible coaching. So you have to show them, tell them, and experience it. And you have to find multiple different levels of ways to get to the same place so that, you know, maybe one 
skill set in teaching will bring 60% of the guys on, and then another tool that you add in will bring another 20% of the guys on. So you have to keep layering your coaching skills. You have to be able to teach the same thing, you know, four or five different ways so that everybody can be successful when they're standing on the risers. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit, uh, Cindy, about the recent coaching session that you had with Alexandria, which happens to be my first exposure to you as a coach. You really pushed us hard that night, I have to say. It was several hours long, at least two hours, no no break, uh, went past our regular uh, quitting time. Uh, and I, I was thinking the whole time, you know, this is really a long time, but these guys are still eating it up and responding, even as long as this session's been. How do you know how hard that you can keep pushing a group and still have them absorb what you're trying to teach? Well, I think you have to pay attention to a couple of things. One is, what did they ask you to do? They asked you to raise their personal level. So in order to raise a personal level, in um, you have to push beyond where they've ever been before. Otherwise, you're going to keep getting the same thing you've always got if you allow them to. The other thing is I try to keep it extremely fun and entertaining and and make it move quickly so that those two hours go extremely fast or three hours go very fast. It's the best when there are guys that often get off the risers to go sit in their chairs and we go for two or three hours and then we stop and they never got off the risers because they were so active that they never felt like they were getting sore or stiff or couldn't move. Keeping it fun. This is, we do this for a hobby. We pay to do this. We give up precious time in our schedules to do this. And if it's not fun, then, you know, why are we doing this? Um, So, so I try to Um, And fun to some people is working hard and some to fun people is, you know, making it entertaining and enjoyable to do. Fun is also being successful. So my goal, I worked the other day with a course. We went from uh, one in the afternoon till five straight with no break. And we said to them, we're going to just keep pushing to see kind of where the limit is. And if you need to, you know, get off and use the restroom or if you need to go get a drink of water or something like that, go ahead and do that. And I got to tell you, both the director and I were amazed at what they were willing to do. And they were committed and they were focused. And the other thing is that we moved that session and continued to make it creative and different and and moved from one song to the next to doing physical things to doing emotional things. So we, we, we just mixed it up so it was very contagious the whole time that we were working. And uh, I don't normally do that. I don't want to scare people to say, <laughs> no, you're going to have a four-hour session. But... Um, I've, there are many courses that I've worked with where I have to keep an eye on the course. If I see people wilting or I see groups starting to get off the risers or people starting to, to move, or then I'll stop it. And, you know, you can tell when you've pushed people kind of to, you start to see where their limit is. And it's a matter of, I think part of my social work skills makes me successful, you know, in dealing with barbershoppers, not in working with <laughs> different personalities of courses. 
and it's it's interesting. Some courses are extremely focused and well behaved. You know, their discipline is phenomenal. Other courses, every time something good happens, they get so excited they got to talk about it and reward each other. And and so while the pattern moves slower in the teaching, they feel successful because they get to celebrate every step of the way. Right. So you, you have to play off those personalities. Yeah, and you mentioned a little while ago about being able to teach the same thing, maybe two or three different ways, uh, it, depending on the personality types of the people in the course or the people in the group that you're teaching to. And those are kind of advanced uh, teaching or communication skills, you know, th- things that some teachers really never uh, uh, get right. Uh, where, where did you pick up or where did you learn your teaching skills? Well, um, that's a good question. I'm not sure if that's, I mean, I've always, when I was in fourth grade, I started um, a community group with the kids in my neighborhood, and we put on little shows in the garage. <laughs> little did I know it would become my business. And you know? <laughs> But um, I was teaching back then. Uh, I've always had that desire to educate and to inspire. And I've taken a lot of courses in that. I also worked for many years in San Antonio, Texas as a call center um, director of customer relations, had 800 people that worked in the call center um, in, in my team. So I was doing trainings a lot and doing lots of education and teaching. And at that time in my life, I went out and got as many courses in teaching and education in training as I could. And so I'm I'm sure I'm pulling from those skills all the time. I am lucky that I have, you know, a, a career that helped put me in a place that makes me successful doing what I do right now in coaching. Um, I've had a lot of people, I had one person say to me one time, you know, you ought to be um, a motivational speaker because I, I just fired the chorus up so much. And I said, I thought I was. And <laughs> she said, no, but I mean, for like real people. <laughs> <laughs> like real people. yeah. <laughs> not not like Sweet Adelines or Barbershoppers, you know. <laughs> I said, I thought I was. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's terrible. And while you're, while you're explaining that, I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's a lot like communicating a song you know a, a good teacher is not just someone who can spout knowledge a good teacher is someone who's able to get the student to feel and learn and understand what they're trying to portray and it's the same when we're singing it's not just being technically precise it's being able to have the audience feel and and understand and get the emotional content of the song that we're putting out there so yeah, I do a lot of, um, you know, some people call them gimmicks, where I'll, you know, have a course, do a homework assignment and take a song and um, take the words of that song and use that as an outline of a letter that they need to write to somebody. And um, then I ask them to bring the letters in, you know, and maybe the next time I coach, we, you know, hold those letters in our hand or put those letters next to our heart and we sing to that person. And we realize what that does is that makes them make the song personal instead of these are somebody else's words. And so how do you take those words as an outline and transform them into your story? Because your story is a little different, but you're, you know, you're singing somebody else's words and notes, but how do you make it yours? And, and I do a, um, a number of things like that. We, we did a, um, a, a song one time that had talked about an older couple. And one of the, we asked one of the gentlemen who was, had been married for 75 years wow. to bring his wife in. 
and we sat them in front of the course and we had them talk about their journey together. We laughed so hard because, you know, they had they had worked for that many years of being that close to each other. They they had little things that they did that were just wonderful. And I said, now sing that story. You know, and everybody got very emotional because they had a connection and a unit feel. So if we can find things that that make it personal or that change the focus of it and be creative in the ways that we do that, then, you know, one of the greatest ones was when um, the... Toronto Northern Lights went out and literally begged on the streets when they sang, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? Right. And each and every guy went out and did that. And, you know, what What could be more powerful than putting yourself in the shoes of the person that you're singing about? And so I like to, I, and I think from my teaching perspective, the more creative I can get with outside opportunities like that, the more successful the course is going to be. And you have to, there are some courses that'll look at me and say, there's no way I'm writing a letter. And you kind of know those personalities. And then there are others that are like, oh, this is the neatest thing you've ever asked us to do. How cool is that? And, and you have to find the right tool for the right course. Right. And uh, part of the creative process, of course, is finding time and ways to refresh yourself and find new ideas and inspiration. What uh, what do you do or where do you go to find new creative energy and ideas? Well, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but isn't it great that I can write off going to Broadway as a business trip <laughs> and <laughs> taking in Broadway productions? Or um, I, I would love to see the Barbershop Harmony Society move out of into a more entertaining. And so I'm always looking. I have three TiVos in my house, which is, you know, like a on-demand direct TV that you can record. And one of them is strictly focused on dance, choreography, and anything that has those words, any place in the title or the explanation. And anything that hits TV I get sent to my TiVo, and I go through that all the time. And luckily enough, I have one that burns to DVDs so I can save stuff and use that as archives. Randy Jackson's dance crew and the new hip-hop stuff that's coming out is so fiery and entertaining. And I don't look at it to see the flips and the you know all the stuff they're doing on the floor. I look for formations and patterns. And so I take those kinds of things. Um, I also record cheerleading competitions because they do dance groups now inside those. And the formations that they use are great for getting front rows to move different ways. And as a matter of fact, uh, your chorus is the recipient of one of the things that I found on one of those shows, which is that box that's rotating and moving across the front of the chorus gotcha. that has, has never happened before on the international stage. And so, you know, I'm always looking for that. I also try to look at things differently. I try to sit back and watch things happen and say, how could I, if that impacted me, how could I take that? You know, um, I love Cirque du Soleil, but very few of the people in barbershop can actually do Cirque du Soleil moves. (laughs) Right. I actually tried to get hot air buffoons to do a Cirque du Soleil set on trampolines. So you may see that in the future. It'd be pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I'm trying to, um, one of the best things is going back to the Busby Berkeley, those the old movies where they built cake decorations with full bodies and people. Um, I'm doing a very unique thing with the Scottsdale Women's Course for their International, and we actually built bicycles out of 
people and the bicycles right across the stage oh, and wow. uh, it's going to be amazing and for me it's not it's the impact that their chorus will be allowed to have on eight or ten thousand people and how good they feel about that that excites me so I'm uh, you know the world is full of amazing things you just got to keep your eyes open yeah, and I imagine it's very rewarding to see uh, a package that uh, has come out of the creative process, you know, be successful uh, by the, and by successful, I mean, you know, really making an impact on the audience. It's, it's, uh, I feel very, very blessed. I, I saw from your bio that you've had a long tradition with the vocal majority. How did that uh, relationship ever begin? Well, that's a, that that was scary. I actually, the first time they called me, I had just had um, surgery on my leg and had a bone tumor removed, and I was in a cast from hip to ankle. And I got a phone call, and they asked me to come work with the vocal majority. And I, I, I said, this is the sweetest and the bitterest moment of my life. I said, there's no way I can do that. I said, I could not do justice to the vocal majority and and help them with an international package while I'm on crutches. And um, explained it to Chuck Mitchell, who called me at the time, and hung up the phone. And about a half an hour later, my phone rang, and it was Jim Clancy. And he goes, hey, darling, you know, in that big bass voice, he said, I understand what's happening and what you're going through, but, you know, you are such an amazing teacher and we're, you know, and, and we would, you can teach the guys by telling them how to do it. And he went through this whole thing. And at the end of it, he said, so we'll just make this a relationship and you'll just come in and do it. Right. And I said, you got it. And I hung up the phone. I thought, what the heck just happened? I mean, I, and I'm standing there on crutches going, how am I ever going to do this? And they were amazing. The visual team danced around. I was up there with crutches and stood in front of them with my crutches in hand and said, all right, I'm your choreographer for the night. And we all laughed and we worked through it. And that was uh, 16 years ago. Wow. And uh, five gold medals and a silver medal later, you know, and what an amazing journey. And probably one of the greatest moments I think I've had with them was designing Joshua and um, having that hit an international stage, which was um, obviously an acceptance song after one of the years that they won. And people still to this day talk about the power of that song. And they have that in their repertoire still after, boy, almost eight years or nine years. And you know a song fits a chorus when they keep it in their repertoire and do it in their shows that long. Yeah, Jeff Avey, the former director at Frederick, uh, still talks about that as uh, that performance, saw that performance initially and said it's one of the, you know, he was just blown away. He said still thinks it's one of the most powerful performances that uh, he's ever seen. Yeah, it was amazing to, you know, Jim said that they'd been singing it. And I said, I, you know, I kind of have this vision of how the, the visual plan would go. And I said, can I do that? And we put it in in one morning. It just you know, slid right in. It was the right thing. And it, you know, when you're, when you're working with a bunch of men that are full of testosterone and you get to stomp on a stage, it's a, it's a good marriage right there. <laughs> there you go. Well, I really appreciate you taking uh, time out of your busy schedule to, to talk to me uh, today and I'm uh, looking forward to, I think it's this Tuesday, uh, you're coming to coach Alexandria again. Yeah, this Tuesday. 
And I know we're all looking forward to that very much. So is there anything that uh, I missed that I should have asked? No, I just I want to thank everybody that's given me the opportunity to um, come and do what I love to do and um, open up their hearts and their homes. And, you know, because it is it I have had an amazing journey and an amazing life. And so if anything, I just need to thank everybody that's allowed me to do that. Well, thanks, Cindy. Have a great weekend. and We'll see you Tuesday. Hello. We want to thank you once again for tuning into the HarmaCast. Make sure you get out to harmonizers.org website or alexandriaharmonizerspresent.com. Get your tickets to the Choir of the World concert coming up June 27th. Tickets are going fast, so you want to get the best seats you can. Uh, We would love to hear your feedback on the show. Uh, Let us know uh, who you would like to have us interview or a subject you would like to see us address, and we will be glad to do it. Uh, Just leave a voicemail, uh, something about the show that you enjoy or do not enjoy. Info at harmocast.com. If you can record an audio file on your computer and attach it to an email, do it that way. Or we now have a Skype account dedicated just to the Harmocast. Do a search inside Skype for Harmocast and you'll see us there. Just call the uh, Harmocast line there and leave a voicemail. Or if you do not have Skype, you can call a phone number, 703-794. 2730-703-794-2730. Leave a message there. Make it funny or interesting, and we will include it on the show. Hey, have a great week. How about scratching? Outside the pants, manly. Inside the pants, too manly.